Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Double Coverage Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy Blackwood, here with my co-host, Jake Thomas. Jake, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Got a little weekend getaway here up in the mountains of Gatlinburg and Vision Forge, so I've been enjoying it the past couple of days. Well, that's good. It's always good to get away for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're excited to bring a, another episode here. Uh, you know, we got a few things to talk about. You know, we Album was hadn't played in a couple of weeks now, and it's I've been kind of lonely without him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but also it's been nice to kind of be able to relax on Saturday a little bit and, and not be so uh, stressed out. It's not the right word, but not to be, I guess, so anxious about about the football game. But uh, we're going to cover a variety of things in this episode. Uh, we each kind of have a have a rant, so to speak, that we're going to kind of go off on. For a few minutes, uh, we're going to talk about the the Heisman Trophy. Did they get the Did they get it right? Uh, we're going to talk about some of the of the bowl games that we find interesting. You know, not the playoff games, but 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 just the regular bowl games. And uh, we may even talk a little bit about the coaching moves that has been made uh, around the Alabama coaching staff. So with that, I'm going to hand it off to Jake and, and kind of let him uh, take over. Yeah, you know, a um, couple our, – our last brand, it's been about a month or two now. Um, you know, I got – I was hammering the Braves. Well, I'm going to hammer them again because, you know, it's just the, the small stuff that they're doing uh, this offseason. They're not improving the team. And everybody has seen that the East, NL East, has gotten better. I mean, uh, the Mets have gone after Robinson Cano. He's a good hitter. You know, one of the, probably one of the uh, best second basemen that's, that's come through in the last 15 years, you know, he's uh, he's really good. Uh, Philadelphia, they still got plenty of room to, you know, they made a big trade the other day, um, but they, they still have room to sign either Machado or Harper. So, I mean, they're going to get better. Um, Marlins are still the Marlins, but but um, but uh, Mets, the Phillies, and uh, Washington, they can still sign Harper back, and they got a good young team and still got that, that dynamic pitching staff with Serger and Strasburg. So, I mean, they're still going to be a threat, too, if they put the pieces together. But but Atlanta has stayed stagnant to me. They signed – and everybody's like, well, they got Josh Donaldson. Donaldson only played, seven, like, 73 games last year, I think, total. Might have been a little bit more than that, give or take. But he, he's injured. He's an injury bug. And and we, have, we had a young guy who – progressed in the second half last year in Johan Camargo. And, you know, he, he had a terrible first half. I was on him real bad about it. But, you know, in the second half, he was pretty much uh, a, a spark for the offense. And uh, he didn't have a good playoff game, but but he's still young. He's going he's gonna to improve. I didn't really want to spend $23 million on an injury bug when, when we really didn't need – uh, a third baseman to begin with. And we also still got Austin Raleigh in the minors. Uh, we need a right fielder. We need pop. I wanted to spend that money on Harper or, or a good a trade for a good right fielder. Another thing I popped out this past week was um, we're looking at uh, getting an ace. Well, yeah, the Braves need an ace. You know, we talked about that. Um, you know, Fulte come, came into his own last year, but he's, he's at best. His, uh, his, uh, upside is probably a number two guy. Right. If if he had a good ace in front of him, he could he could flourish, I believe. But uh, 
Well, everybody's like, well, they're, they're looking at Dallas Kuchar. Uh, well, Kuchar, his first year was in 2012. He only pitched 85 innings, but he had a 527 ERA. He's young. Okay, that's fine. His second year, 515 ERA. It got better in 2014, 293, 2015. His Cy Young year, he was 248. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, he's improving. The year after that, 455. And in the last three years, he has a, a 373 ERA and a 35 and a 28 record. And he's only finished um, three three of his seven years has been below a three ERA. That's not that's not a status to me. Nope. I mean, I, I may be too hard on that, but BaseballReference.com has projected him to go 11-9 with a 371 ERA next year. The Braves really want that. I mean, you figure an ace, you want your ace to go out and get 13, 15, maybe 16, 17 wins for you, you know, and have a 250 to 290 ERA. You know, somebody you can depend on, you know, week in and week out. If I wanted my ace to have a 373 ERA, I would have said that Julio Toronto still the ace of the staff, you know. Yeah, yeah. His is in the fours. Um, you know, I, I believe that we, if we really want to contend, we've got to have a true ace. You know, to go with Faulty, we got Soroka coming back. We got Pookie, who looks amazing from a little bit we've seen. We still got to figure out what we're going to do with Newcomb. You know, he's up and down a lot last year. He had flashes, especially against uh, the Dodgers when when he had another hitter going the ninth. In the next game, he just blew it. I mean, I, I mean, he's he's all over the place. Um, but and then we also signed Brian McCann. I'm mad about that. Yeah, it's a feel good story. But I don't want feel-good stories. I want, you know, being a Braves fan, I want a championship. And it just seems like this franchise has always gone after the feel-good story instead of contending for, for the World Series title like they should be. Yeah, you know, kind of to, to add on to that, it seems like the Braves are okay with just sticking with the young talent they have and seeing what they can do with right. that and just adding a few small pieces instead of, trying to make a big splash sign. Right. But, you know, the, the Donaldson thing is really – and he may wind up being playing really well for the Braves this year. But, it, like yeah. you said, it wasn't really a position of need, especially the way uh, Camargo finished the season. Yes. And, uh, you know, it just it's just kind of – I don't know, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth as a Braves fan, knowing what, what the, this team's potential is. With the young mm-hmm. talent, if you sprinkled yeah. in some veteran leadership and an ace on this on the pitching staff, what what the what the what this team could do in, in the postseason? Yeah. And, uh, and you played yeah. against the Dodgers; they were they were a, an ace away, and maybe a, another big bat in the lineup away from being able to contend for the National League. Yeah, and one more thing to add, um, you know, I. I love the Braves, and but you know we we know they they don't like to spend money. Well, and you know we have like you said we got a young, good young Nicholas, but in twenty twenty four Acuna comes off the books, and so does Freddie Freeman. I believe Albies as well. Money that they that we've got to keep them somebody, and it's probably going to be, you know, it's probably the, but, but I mean. I just hope that the Braves find a way to, to spend that money and, you know, go after to keep our nucleus that we got. But, we'll, you know, time will tell. Right, yeah. It, it'll be 
you know, obviously it's, it's a long off season and, and other things could happen, but right now it doesn't seem like the Braves are going to have that, you know, splash sign in, in the free agency market. Yeah. But uh, but, uh what's, the, what's your what's your roundabout, buddy? Well, I I just wanted to, you know, especially last week, I can't I think it was maybe Thursday. There was a lot of talk, or it might have been earlier in the week last week. I can't really remember about expanding the playoff and how a lot of the leaders that are on the playoff committee, such as Barry Alvarez and such, have have you know thought that maybe they need to expand the playoff to eight teams, and to me. I like the four-team playoff, and the reason mm-hmm. I like the four-team playoff is because there's, a, there's there's more than one reason, obviously, but the biggest reason is because you want to make sure the championship team at the end of the season is a worthy champion. Right. You don't want to get to where you allow so many teams in the playoff that, you know, if, let's just say, for instance, Pittsburgh had upset Clemson in the ACC championship game, and eight and five Pitt is in the college football playoff because they get an yeah. automatic bid for winning their conference championship. I agree. Not all conference champions are created equal. Mm-hmm. So, to me, when you expand the playoff, you downgrade the meaning uh, behind every regular season game. Like, just for instance, the the first the, the first weekend of the year, one of the biggest games was the Washington and, and Auburn game uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. That was, that was built up as a, you know, this could be a deciding factor for which one of these teams is in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, we didn't expect either team to kind of have the seasons that they had, but you know, on that day, it was a massive game. Yes. And if you expand the playoff, you take away from the pageantry, pageantry and the excitement of Saturday's, in college football. I agree. I just think that you need to be careful what you wish for. The college football is, – is the playoff system perfect right now the way it is? I, no. I, I don't think so. I think it could be tweaked a little bit. I think you could make some some different rules and, and maybe follow some different guidelines. But I will say this. To me, if, it, if I had it my way, what I would do is the Power Five conferences would – Succeed from the NCAA and make their own college football, uh, you know, power conference or power uh, collegiate athletic association or something, and they would be the only conferences that were allowed to play in the college football playoff. And if teams like Central Florida want to be a part of that, they can join a conference. That's right. Fine. But to me, I, I just I, I would rather it stay the way it is. And and people want to say, well, uh, it, it would maybe Alabama wouldn't get. I mean, do they not realize if it's if it's an eight team playoff, Alabama's going Alabama's to get in gone. every year. Yeah, I mean they've all they've already been in every year, but they're going to get in every year. I mean, how would they feel when a nine and three Alabama team goes to the playoffs and then they win the playoffs? How yeah, stupid exactly. are they going to feel for one eight team playoff then? Yeah, exactly. So, just be careful what you wish for. That's that's yeah. that's really it's not really a rant. It's just kind of. You know, let's don't put the cart before the horse. The four-team playoff, to me, is working pretty well. I thought the BCS worked pretty well. I did, but, too. Uh, um, I, I, wanted to, I want to add something to that, if you don't mind. 
Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. You know, there might be a little few tweaks that they need to do on the playoff. Uh, my biggest issue is, you know, they, 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 need to, they need to figure out if it's the four, you know, conference champions or the four best teams because you hear both on, on each argument. Uh, no doubt in my mind that they want the four best teams. Well, the, well, one of the four best teams got put out, and that's Georgia. There's no doubt in my mind that Georgia's one of the four best teams in the country right now. So they need to tweak that just a little bit. If they, if they're, either they're going to say the conference champion goes or the four best teams goes. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and with my eyes, I agree that Georgia is probably one of the four best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. But – that 20-point loss to LSU did happen. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, you got – there's a lot of variables, and you have to look at everything, and that's kind of going to lead us into the – into the uh, to the, our next topic, which is which is the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tua was completely robbed because of one bad game. Yeah. Where he played the entire game with uh, a bad ankle. I, I just – I just feel like for somebody who had such a substantial lead in the voting, you know, and, and obviously it wasn't the actual voting, but I mean, Vegas knows, and, and and ESPN does a good job with their with their prediction on the Heisman, and he led the whole season, and most of the time it was a it was leading by a landslide, and so one bad game on a bad ankle cost you the Heisman. Yes, I just I don't see that. I think it was a little he kind of got robbed for for one bad game. Uh, he played several uh, top 50 defenses. Oklahoma played none. So, I, I feel like Tua got robbed. Is Kyler Murray a great quarterback? And was he would he be deserving of winning the Heisman on any other year? Yes. But to me, there was no question about it that Tua Tonga-Valoa was the most deserving uh, choice to win the Heisman. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh you know, yeah, you're right. Kyler is is a great quarterback, um, but you know, looking through the season, he had a loss to Texas. Yes, he is, he avenged the loss, but two went through the whole year pretty much on a on a bum knee for most of it, and and beat everybody. I mean, he I mean he was setting in most games in the second half when Jalen came in, and uh, I mean he just took care of business in the first half. Right, he played he played like two hundred and something less snaps. Yes, than Kyler Murray did. Yeah. I mean, if Tua would have played all the snaps, what kind of what was his numbers would be? You know, I mean, it's crazy to think about. Well, I I seen yeah. something where they where they done the averages, and he, and he would have had around fifty something touchdowns and and yeah. almost uh, four thousand yards passing. Yes, or was exactly. it maybe almost five thousand yards passing? It was it was a ridiculous amount of yards and a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. Yes, and pretty much just played half the season. And it, yeah, uh, so you're going you're going to uh, I, I just I I don't get it. To me, it was a no-brainer, and I, and I know that I said in, in in one of the podcasts, I think it was after the uh, the SEC championship game, and you say things, you know, kind of in the heat of the moment, and I was obviously disappointed in the way that Tua played in in, in the uh, in the SEC championship game, and I kind of thought that the voters would would pick Kyler over it, and I and I, I I understand it, I guess you could say, I just I just don't think it's right. And uh, to uh, to just use that one game against him, yeah, just doesn't seem fair 
to uh to what Tua done the entire the entirety of the season. And like yeah. His team never lost. Exactly. Yeah. Kyler Murray's team did lose. And you yeah. can say, well, he has a bad defense. Okay. Well, Why is that Tua's fault? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and um, I think we only we only uh, was losing for like, what, 54 seconds total the whole season. Yeah. Uh, I think it was against Ole Miss. You know, they, they had that first, first throw, deep throw, and got a touchdown. Then we come back and blew him out of the water. I mean – so I mean, Tua could, took care of business every time he was on the field, right. and 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 he was actually in the second half of Georgia. He actually uh, started getting a little bit in a better rhythm than he did the first half. He was actually completing some passes and and everything. But but to you know to judge him on on that performance is ludicrous. You know for the housing vote. A- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But uh, we're going to move on and, and talk about a few of the bowl games. That you know, we kind of find, I guess you could say, most interesting or kind of have the most intriguing matchups, or you know, just kind of catch our eye. I picked a couple of games, and they all involve SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the first game that that kind of intrigues me is uh, is the Purdue and Auburn game. Yeah, uh, it's the uh, Music City Bowl up in Nashville. What's really intriguing to me is is that. Purdue seemed to play up and down this year, according to who they, their opponent was. Yeah, and I I think Purdue will be ready for this game as far as emotionally and and psychologically. You know that they kept their coach. Most people thought he'd leave for uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they got that Rondell Moore. He's one of the most exciting players in the country. You know they have the, they have that kid Tyler Trent that's. Uh, you know, suffering from cancer, and he's just kind of been a big emotional support for that team, and he's meant a lot to that program this season. And, you know, then you have on the flip side, Auburn, they, the, the, I guess, turmoil, so to speak, over Gus Malzahn, and, you know, they, they're keeping him around. They, they really can't afford his buyout. If they were being honest, that's what they would say. Yeah. They can't afford to fire him. I mean, they just – you can't afford to pay somebody $32 million to hit the road. It's – that's impossible no, to do. Pretty much. But, uh, you know, mo- most Auburn fans I know want Gus gone. They don't think he's going to get the job done. Uh, he's he's obviously very inconsistent. You know, anytime there's any hype around the program, he just, you know, he finishes 7-5 or, mm-hmm. or, you know. So, it's just uh, – to me, it's just intriguing as far as, like, the way the program – it seems like Purdue may be ascending and that Auburn may be descending. And I think if Auburn, you know, can can uh, come out and, and kind of establish a new identity offensively, and and th- that's what th- that's their problem. They don't have an identity on offense without on Johnson this season. You know, he was their identity, and we talked about that all year long. How their lack of running game was hurting them against the better teams. Yeah, but you know, this is kind of a to me. Uh, a big moment in Gus Malzahn's career at Auburn. You know, yeah. you can finish the season, you know, with a good taste and, and with a good win and, and feel better going into t- to 2019. But if you take a loss, it just kind of piles on to, to, the, to the already negative narrative surrounding the Auburn football program. Yeah, you're right. And the biggest question is for 2019 for them, is, you know, they just lost out on Kelly Bryant. So who's going to be the quarterback? Right. Um, Think what is it? Bo Nitz is mm-hmm. a, 
my brother-in-law uh, down here with us. Uh, you know, he says I, I think he can come in and, and and be be a great starter for us. But I mean, I, you really want to throw a freshman out? I mean, Alabama did it, but I mean, as as apples to oranges comparison. But you know, um, is he going to be the guy to lead Auburn back to the glory days? I mean, who knows? But that is a very intriguing matchup for sure. Yeah. What's what's one of yours? Um, mine, uh, of course, it also involves an, um, an SEC team and uh, the quote-unquote uh, national champions of last year. <laughs> this is and, one of uh, mine as well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, be honest, okay, UCF, they had the third-best offense in the country, um, but but defense or, or defense is going to be the focus on this game. I think LSU's got stout defense. Uh, the, really the big question of this game is going to be can – you know, LSU score enough to keep up with UCF. I mean, they're, they're powerhouse offensively. They can go down and score. I mean, they put up – I think they put up 59 against uh, Memphis in, in their uh, conference championship game. That was without their starting quarterback. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, he – I thought he was a glue for that offense, but let's look they got more playmakers than just him. And uh, But, you know, my, my biggest thing here is, um, you know, if – if they win, are they still going to claim another national championship? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really think LSU's uh, defense uh, will give them fits for a little while. Then, or you know, I think in the fourth quarter is where the game is going to be won, and I think LSU's D is going to make a make a play in the fourth. But uh, again, I mean, if UCF wins, or even if they lose, they may say, "Oh, we still won the national championship." But who knows? But I think it's a, a very intriguing matchup as well. It, it really is, and and I I kind of I wish Mackenzie Milton was still healthy for for Central yeah. Florida, you know. And he's I've heard that he's had problems after his surgery. I think he's had four surgeries now. He's battling infection in his leg, and obviously yeah. we're praying for him and, and hoping that he can get better because he's Definitely. really fun to watch. He's a talented guy. Hey, but uh, but it is really is an intriguing matchup uh, because of the whole the paradox of central Florida versus the power five schools. And yeah, and it's just, uh, it'll be fun to watch. I kind of wish central Florida would have been matched up with Georgia because I feel like LSU is not really a good matchup for the sec. I mean, because LSU struggles to score points and, uh, they're going to have to get, into the 20s and, and maybe even into the 30s to win this football game. So it's going to be a really intriguing game. I think LSU will have some success running the ball. I don't know how well they can sustain drives in this game and, and, mm-hmm. and how well they'll be able to punch the ball into the end zone because they're going to have to score touchdowns. Yeah. that They can't rely on the field goal unit to, to win in the game. Obviously, they got a good kicker in Cole Tracy. But, yes. Uh, they're going to have to score some touchdowns and, and they're going to have to make some, some – some plays defensively, you know, maybe, you know, a turnover, a, I mean, a pick six or, a, you know, a scoop and score or something like that to kind of to kind of flip the game to, to their advantage. But uh, it really is a good matchup. Uh, another another SEC game that I'm looking forward to is the uh, Florida-Michigan game. Uh, I feel like Michigan is probably going to come out with something to prove the way they finished the regular season against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're a much better team than Florida is right now, but I, I do think Dan Mullen is a good a good enough coach to, to keep this game close. So that that game's intriguing to me. The uh, the Mississippi State and Iowa games is another one that I that I picked out. They're really, I 
closely identical teams. You know, Iowa always plays tough defense. Mississippi State, to me, is one of the best te- defensive teams in the country. Yes. So, I, I feel like Mississippi State may have, have the edge in, in that game. But all these games are really good matchups. They're, they're really, you know, a coin flip game. I, I don't – I wouldn't know who to pick. And, you know, if somebody put a gun up to my head and said, you got to pick a winner, I wouldn't know who to pick. Yeah, you're right. And uh, one more of mine, um, I don't – I'm just interested in it because of, of the status of that program, but UAB in Northern Illinois, you know, like we said, UAB a couple years ago didn't even have a program. And now they just – I think they just had a 10-win season. Uh, and I'm surprised uh, – Bill Clark just just signed a, uh, an extension, I think a five-year extension, but – you know, that's a testament that he wants to stay with this program. But, I mean, he could be a lot for any big-name school out there. I mean, he is a great coach. And what he's done with this program since, uh, you know, their return has been, been outstanding. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it really has been. And, and I feel like he is committed to UAB. I yeah. think it would have to be, you know, a big-time job for, for him yeah. to leave UAB. I think I he was connected to the program. And, and just committed to what the, what they have built there and, and what they're going to build down there in Birmingham. And, yep. uh, you know, so we wish him the best. Obviously, he's a, it's a state yes. school. So we we uh, we wish the best for that program and, and Bill Clark. Mm-hmm. And, and I look forward to watching that program grow. Yes, I agree. Uh, but before we, before we wrap this podcast up, I want to talk about – I want to, you know, congratulate uh, Mike Loxley on getting the head coaching job at Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a that's you know kind of his home. He's uh he's recruited a lot of kids around that program and, and in the Maryland area and Washington D.C. So he's got connections there. I think mm-hmm. he a good job. You know, depending on who he kind of hires around him and, and fills on his staff. Uh, so we wish him the best uh, as he uh, as he takes over that head coaching job as soon as he's finished. Uh, hopefully, winning another championship for Alabama. Yeah, and uh, also uh, I'm glad to see that that, that Saban is going to promote Danny Nose to be the the new offensive coordinator. I don't think we can talk enough about the job that Danny Nose has done with the quarterbacks down there. Jalen Hurts is a totally different player than he was uh, this time last year. He is he has drastically improved, and uh, I think Danny Nose has a lot to do with that. And I agree. Nice to see him get that that coordinating job. I think he's a really good coach. He had he had a few good years at Central Michigan as their head coach before he, he went to be the offensive coordinator for Brett Bielema in, in Arkansas, and he done a great job with the um, with the uh, was the Allen brothers. Is that was that was that their last yeah. names uh, at Arkansas? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he done a good job with with them with them there. You know, they they developed into really good college quarterbacks. Uh, so Dan Enos is obviously a really good coach, so it's good to have him as the new offensive coordinator. And he, I think he'll bring a little bit more of a pro-style attack to, to the album offense when he kind of can put his stamp on the on the team. And also I want to uh, – uh, you know, a lot of people have thought this was a bad move by Saban for bringing – you know, kind of giving – getting some advice from D.J. Durkin, the former yeah. Maryland coach who, who was dismissed after – he had a player uh, pass away, or, and obviously that's an unfortunate incident. And and anybody with common sense knows that DJ Durkin 
did not. I mean, obviously, it's not like it was he committed murder or anything. Right. He mishandled the situation. His training staff mishandled the situation. And unfortunately, it cost a young man his life. Right. And I'm sure there's nobody in the world that feels more guilty about that than DJ Durkin. So, Saban has always looked to give guys, you know, second chances and kind of to reestablish their career. He done it with Lane Kiffin. He he's done it with Butch Jones, and yep. And and all all DJ's doing is being a consultant. He's helping them prepare for Oklahoma. He's a defensive minded coach, so he's just getting some extra input. He he's not having any interaction with with Alabama players. No, nope. he's not even been on the campus. I believe it's just been phone calls and you know film work. And there's nothing wrong with that. And people who think there's something wrong with it, you need to get off your high horse and not be a self-righteous prick. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just the truth behind it. So there's been a lot of coaching moves around. And, uh, we're, we're excited about the, obviously the direction of Alabama's program. It, it's just, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. The sustainability that the program has had under Nick Saban. And it's unbelievable. The amount of coaches that have gone on to be head coaches under, under his guidance. I mean, it's, I mean, college football is flooded with, with Nick Saban, you know, minds and net saving top coaches i mean it's unbelievable you know and, it, uh, it really is and, and he just and saving just keeps you know plugging somebody else in there and and keeps winning championships yeah <laughs> it will be to me uh talking about coaching moves it'll be interesting to see how uh kirby smart adjust after losing mel tucker yeah be the coach i believe at colorado yep so uh you know now kirby's gonna start losing assistance after having s- some success so We'll see how he adjusts to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of bowl games coming up. Uh, I can't wait till the playoff starts here in a couple of weeks. Yep. It's good to see two on the practice field moving around. He seems like he's making a, a good recovery. Yep. And so there, there's a lot of football still to be played. Uh, and we're going to be here with you throughout the whole ball season and then past the ball season, past the playoff. We're going to be here with you. Uh, hopefully weekly from here on out. So I agree. So we're having a good time. We hope you're enjoying it. Uh, We're going to wrap this one up. If Jake doesn't have anything else to add to it. No, I'm good. Go buddy. All right. Well, listen, y'all give us a follow on Twitter at double cub underscore pot. Uh, You can follow me uh, at Blackwood 89. Jake, tell them where they can follow you at. Uh, It's at it's at JTH double cub. All right, so you know our, our uh, usernames, uh, so give us a follow. Remember, you can use the hashtag double coverage, and uh, we try to interact with everybody on Twitter that, that, that sends us something. So tweet at us. Let us know what you think. If you got something you want us to talk about, we'll talk about it. Yeah, thank you for all of our fans as well. Who's Yeah, we're, you know. we're enjoying the interaction that we've had so far on, on Twitter. And, and yeah. last week has, has really – We've really started to, to boom in the last week or so. We've gained yes, we 40 plus followers in the last 10 days or so. So that's amazing. It, it's really fun. We're having Thank a y'all. Good time. We hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we hope y'all have a good weekend and y'all stay safe. See y'all.